Hey guys, and welcome to Gameplay Radio here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host as always. My name is Aaron, and I'm very excited today because I have in the studio with me four uh, DMs from the Brooklyn Strategist. Why don't you guys say hello for me? Hi. Hey. Hi. Howdy. You guys are fabulous. Um, with me uh, are, of course, uh, Phoebe, Annie, uh, Dizzy, and Lexa. Uh, who actually uh, run games at the Brooklyn Strategist, which is where I play my private weekly game. Um, so I'm a huge fan, <laughs> clearly. Uh, so thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank uh, you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. A little bit, get nice and close and yeah. finally with that mic there. <laughs> Hello, Alexa. <laughs> and, and with each other, for those who are sharing the mic in the studio. Um, so uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about like, you what you do like what is your process for like leading these Dungeons and Dragons games? Um, Anyone? So yeah. I guess I'll start because um, I I am coming at it from kind of a two way perspective. Uh, on the one hand, running the games is I find it to be an extremely amazing chance, like an amazing chance to really build stories and build worlds, um, and get that chance to really play around with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk more about the the coordinator side of things, I guess, uh, just because everyone else does the <laughs> DMing stuff as well. Um, but I essentially run uh, all of the RPG events. Um, so mostly it's Dungeons and Dragons, uh, but it's also a lot of other stuff too. I think you uh, have had here on your show uh, a lot of the the RPGs that we've had, yeah. um, kind of come through, which is really awesome. And it's mostly just talking to people and connecting people and really seeing what they want to do. And uh, it's just kind of a, a, a bigger version of uh, sitting around a table and creating a story together, um, which right. is really incredible. And being able to to meet so many people and kind of get people involved with each other and creating things together is really an incredible experience um, from an administrative standpoint. Um, agreed. <laughs> Is that what got you into working at the Strategist and Dungeons and Dragons? Um, I have always loved Dungeons and Dragons. I played it in high school. Um, I'm a storyteller by trade, uh, and I started out really just loving being with the kids and loving being able to play games. Um, and then I just naturally kind of fell into the role of, of coordinator as I became more involved um, with the, the previous coordinator and with the business, and just kind of. Uh, Stepping in wherever I could help out and then eventually just taking on the role itself. That sounds amazing. Uh, do you guys feel similarly about uh, your experiences working with the Strat and D&D? Uh, so I think most of us primarily work with kids in running games. I know uh, Annie, Phoebe and I and Lexa are all part of the after school program at the Brooklyn Strategist where a lot of us teach RPGs. Some of us do Saturday Juniors, so uh, primarily yes, our D&D. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, so primarily, uh, a lot of our work is for running games for kids. And I remember coming into the store, I hadn't DM'd before working at the Strat, which I started like <clears throat> June of last year. So that was nerve-wracking. Mm. Uh, but I've come to find out that um, despite all my fretting over like uh, telling the perfect story and hitting the right beats and everything, uh, people are just kind of there to have fun. And uh, regardless of whether or not you think that twist was shocking enough or that your villain was villainous enough, people generally will take what you give to them. And as long as you're like committed and dedicated to what you're telling, it's going to be a compelling story either way. So I find that really fulfilling. So did you do a lot of DMing before you started? No, (laughs) I didn't do any DMing before I started. I was strictly a player uh, before I started working at the Strat. And I was I came in knowing I would be DMing Uh uh, and I was really nervous about that. But all my friends are DMs. So I got a lot of advice from them. Lexa helped me out a lot. Um, uh, My friends Hunter and Fiona helped me out a lot. Um, And yeah, it's been a great time. Wow, that's awesome. Thanks, Dizzy. Sure. Um, And uh, what about you, Phoebe, Annie? Uh, so I've been DMing for five years, uh, including this year, starting at the Strat. Um, learning to DM for kids was my biggest challenge, but is also now one of my uh, greatest joys. Kids do not approach 
uh, world building or plot in the same way that adults do. And my experience beforehand was mostly with college students and Mm. other adults. Um, On the other hand, it's an amazing opportunity to teach them, watch them learn, watch them grow, watch them come out of their shell, Um, particularly for kids who, uh, I'll be honest, like I was at that age, might be a bit socially awkward. Hey. It's the awkward crew. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a stereotype about Dungeons and Dragons for a reason, I think. Um, but it's just a great safe space, as I put it, for, for them to explore new aspects of themselves. Um, yeah, we're all nodding at the moment. I'm like, just yes. yeah. delighted to be able to tell stories on a daily basis because they tend to bubble over in my brain and get in the way of everyday life if I don't release them into the ether. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big storyteller big mood. mood. Um, <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I definitely have been starting to think about that too. How it's like, oh, you know, maybe like I should start telling stories about like other people as opposed to thinking about the story that I'm trying to tell about myself mm-hmm. as well. So that's definitely an awesome thing to think about. And for our listeners to think about as well. <laughs> I know. I am definitely the DM here with the least experience, which I am mm. okay with because... You know, we hear like five years. I've loved this forever. You know, I like <laughs> <laughs> or fewer. Uh, I um, I didn't come to the store until ah, that was all the dice ever. Um, <laughs> I came to the a lot st- here. <laughs> I don't see any critical failures in there, so you're good. Hey, hey, <laughs> um, I came to the store like three months ago, and I uh, I actually had very little experience with D and D or any role playing games. I'm an actor. And what I really was attracted to was the idea that, um, like, this was a situation where actors were coming together and, like, just acting for the joy of it without the monetary components, without the business of trying to act. Um, It's kind of like actoring versus acting. I feel like (laughs) D&D is a huge opportunity for, in the same way, like, writering or artisting versus just doing the thing. It's this amazing opportunity to just do the art that you really love to do in a kind of like banner, this is a game environment. Mm. It really lowers the stakes. So like for me, I watched enough Critical Role when I should have been sleeping um, <laughs> or doing homework, you know, or spending time with real people. Uh, <laughs> Who among us has? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, I think uh, a lot of D&D nerds can agree to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, uh, I ended up here and I kind of like second day tried something um what i really like doing is taking a world that i enjoy from the outside and kind of going inside it and um i really like to manipulate the cliches for my players Mm -hmm. i like to see what are the tropes that they're gonna like fixate on and and kind of like you know you expect this what's it like to actually encounter it yeah um there's something really charming about finding the verisimilitude in what if this actually happened what would you do then Within the context of, you know, this is a, a world Fancy. in the same way. Yeah. Or like the cartoon world of stretchy, uh, like, you know, elastic bodies that bounce back. Um, <laughs> right. So there's something really charming in that for me. That's awesome. Yeah. We were talking a little bit before we got on air about all of y'all's processes, because I think something that I mean, I kind of sort of maybe touch on and people uh, could catch on while they're listening to the show. But I use a lot of... um pre-written stories that uh, other DMs have written and put out into the world and that they've allowed others to play and experience. And it's different every single time. Mm-hmm. But um, I often find that like having some sort of like ca- pillar of lore to kind of put myself on <laughs> helps situate myself in a way that I can react best to my players needs and interests. Um but other people like tend to want to really just go and write and create their own stories and create their own worlds in that way. Uh, what do you guys you want to share for the audience who um, what you guys like to do? We all have different answers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say my first time ever DMing for adults specifically was at the strategist um, probably about a year and a half ago now. And I remember picking up the um, binds of uh, Falvadir. I can't even remember how to pronounce it because I immediately changed it. I picked it up and I was like, I'm going to run a module and it's going to be great. It's going to be easy. My first time DMing. 
And the second I started reading through it, I was like instantly changing things around to fit a different story. Yeah. Um, yep. And it was really nice having that kind of basis and and that uh, that world and those tropes to really play around in. So I, I've come to really like doing that. Um, at the moment, I'm actually planning a, a personal campaign in my life. And uh, I just got the new Eberron book, uh, which is absolutely gorgeous. And I have instantly fallen in love with. Um, and I've been kind of going through that and combing through it and using it as a basis to build my own world um, and kind of build my own creations. And I just really like having something to build from. I like having a ground base that I can mm. then just go in and, and play around with. Um, because it's a lot of fun and I feel like it does kind of take the pressure off of me from having to build everything, um, especially yeah. given that this is, I'm running, you know, several games. We're all running multiple games, um, every week. So it, it does kind of make it, I find it a little bit easier and a little bit less stressful if I'm trying to do it for, for just fun and not work. It's like sure. a safety net that you can untie and then reweave into a rope ladder that takes you somewhere cool. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. I like that. That's a sick metaphor. Nice yeah, metaphor, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we need to turn that net into a parachute, but... <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, None of that has anything to do with how today is going to go. <laughs> That's not an omen. That's oh. no one on which to knock. <laughs> Well, I'm, of course, once it? again, yeah, like, sorry. Go ahead, Everyone, yeah, please. Just like over all the way in left field. Um, I'll give you an idea. One of the last one shots that I've run that I've actually run a couple times because I love seeing what happens when people have to deal with it is um, I, I have the players all create Christmas elves um, on <laughs> Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. I make everyone in the North Pole go sick with jingle fever. They're all working that night. Um, Santa gets kidnapped. And they oh, no. go through a portal and find themselves in Macy's Santa land. <laughs> okay. And so, like, it, there, there, there's a range. Sure. Yeah. Totally. Um, um, I will speak uh, just briefly, if I, if I could, just please to the the nature of the range of even just um, those of us here. One of the best parts about being RPG coordinator is working with with such a diverse group of people and come at, having so many people who come at it from different angles um and you've got those who create these beautiful worlds that are that kind of stretchy cartoon world um of of santa land that are oh. am- equally as amazing and beautiful and so well thought out as um say uh backwoods adventure through new hampshire <laughs> um no spoilers yet but uh it's it's really incredible and also just coming from different backgrounds from storyteller backgrounds versus I have a history major versus uh, Annie's incredible acting background um, and and bringing all of those elements together, which is I find the beauty of of role playing games and uh, of Dungeons and Dragons is that it is acting and it is storytelling and it is um, all of these things kind of coming together to create something with other people, which is just so <laughs> beautiful i mean yes yeah <laughs> i agree i have definitely agreed yeah um well i'd say i uh like alexa prefer to have a jumping off point whenever mm-hmm. i'm dming i feel like uh like i also enjoy writing uh and i was a theater minor uh in college so i'm you know into all the acting acting and writing and all that stuff but i tend to get in to get too far into my own head when I'm trying to come up with things completely on my own. Mm. Uh, so it's a little hard for it's a little harder for me to just make something up from scratch than it is for me to look at like a piece of media or literature or something that's already been made and been like, what if I take this and do something completely different? Or if someone gives me an idea, like sure. uh, I had to run an origins campaign uh, and I wasn't sure what to do for it. For, so a friend of mine just said, there's a pink dragon. They have to get something for the pink dragon. And I took that and ran with it. And now they're <laughs> on an island. <laughs> Wait, what kind of dragon is pink? A uh, mix between a white and a red dragon. Shh, My no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's Day, when the world ends Aww. in both fire and ice. Yeah, oh, exactly. The <laughs> true ending of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I ended the only ending. <laughs> oh no, sad. So I prefer to work uh, more off the cuff. Um, with, this is our this is Phoebe, our DM, who is going to be leading the game that we're going to play today. Hello, everybody. So uh, listen up for <laughs> sure. 
Yeah, so I prefer to work more off the cuff. I'm interested in lore uh, of all regions um, mm. and also history. So I will often take ideas that have been percolating in my head and uh, use those to build the plot. Generally, I'll do one of two things. If I'm meeting a group for a first time, say for a one shot, I'll do a quick rip, whip around the table, ask everybody what their experience is, what <laughs> character type they're playing. Oops, I almost just ripped my headphones off right there. Um, what character type they're playing and what type of encounters they usually prefer social treasure hunting, dungeon crawls. Mm -hmm. uh, I will then create an adventure given the uh, information I've received and just kind of go from situation to situation trying to hit on everybody's major points, which usually turns out well. The other thing I will do, which is what I've done for today, I will take a setting or an event that I find interesting I will craft an adventure around that and then I will have everybody create a character for the setting and I will build major plot points off of backstories. That is my favorite thing to do and it's worked very well so far uh, to get people really feeling, especially first-time players, immersed in the game. It's like, oh, that random little thing in your backstory, that is now an arc and we're going on a quest based on that. Uh, for today, I've created backstories for everybody to extemporize off of just because we only have 40 minutes for a game. Um, but yeah, that is my style now, but yeah, <laughs> the, um, it's absolutely amazing. Um, I, uh, when we talked about setup for this game and the fact that I wanted to kind of show off the talents that are at Brooklyn strategists, um, I didn't expect, uh, Phoebe to create an entire backstory for this character. And then she handed me these options and it is like four paragraphs of backstory <laughs> and I am very impressed. Um, so Thank, thank, you. thank you very much. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, as you said, the hook, yeah. like the the coming back to the like this plot point is based off of this one small thing in your backstory. That's how we as humans live our lives. No, like one thing that we thought was not important hmm. is going to come back in our minds at some point when we're finally making sense of our lives or yeah. or trying to, you know, um, like that's how we make decisions based on what's happened to us. So that kind of thing is is immense like that you do that is wonderful that's what i hope the brooklyn strategist does because that's like farming off of what people bring to the table as people yeah yeah, yeah. and it definitely it, it increases the the role-playing aspect of it too um which i feel like it, it, i mean role-playing is absolutely not for everybody yeah I've, I've met people who play dungeons and dragons and just love to be able to in their own head swing a giant sword and just yeah. kill as many Thank goblins you. as possible. Yeah, someone child. asked me yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> like, when I just kill something before the end of the day and I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like uh, something that um, D&D has, it, it, I, I wouldn't say it, it struggles with it, but sometimes it can be um, challenging to kind of create more of a, a role-playing setting for Dungeons & Dragons because it is such a combat-heavy system. Um and bringing in people's backstories, which is something I find difficult because of just the absolute chaos that can come from character backstories sometimes. Um, uh, it's such a great way of bringing people together and, and opening up to that experience of playing a character and, and getting in that side of that character's head and connecting that character to the story and the setting. Um, and I think Phoebe does an incredible job with oh, that. Thank I've, you. Any given time she's told me walk me through her stories it's always with backstory and how the characters are connected and it's absolutely incredible and a fabulous way to to get people comfortable and, and involved so yeah if you would like to now join any of phoebe's games uh or any of dizzy's or annie's or lexa's or anyone at the brooklyn strategist uh you can find them and contact them at uh tell us lexa that would be RPG at the Brooklyn Strategist dot com. Singular RPG. And it's the Brooklyn Strategist. <laughs> Two of the most common mistakes. But yeah, so shoot me an email and I'll get you involved in a game. Um, and we have uh, every single one of our DMs is incredible and brings something so unique to the table and um, is just such amazing storytellers in their own right. Yes, so uh, definitely check them out. And also, uh, I hope this inspires you to try DMing for yourself as well. There are so many different styles and ways to find a passion in this, uh, which is also, hey, why I'm here as well. Um, 
Now, of course, we're running short on time, so we should transition. Uh, but first, I'm just going to do this one quick plug because we are a radio station. Um, and in fact, we are a nonprofit radio station who is in the middle of fundraising. Um, so Radio Free Brooklyn's Drive to Five fundraising, fundraising campaign, I can speak, uh, is underway. In May, Radio Free Brooklyn turns five years old and we need to raise $25,000 so we can continue bringing you commercial-free independent radio for another five years. Um, because we think raising money should be fun, each month we'll be bringing listeners fun challenges with great prizes. Uh, this month's challenge is a quiz uh, to find out just how well you know Bushwick. Uh, so the top five scorers will, will win a limited edition five-year anniversary t-shirt. Uh, please enter Gameplay Radio as your favorite show when taking the quiz, and I'll get the prize as well. And you know I like free swag. Um, <laughs> you can take the quiz or simply just make a donation uh, at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Drive to Five. Um, and all donations to Radio Free Brooklyn are tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. So please check that out. Um, you can also call us at 718-673-8201 and leave us a message letting us know why you love Radio Free Brooklyn or to wish us a happy birthday. And your message could be played on air. Um, I feel like this would be a boss thing to do. So definitely call share it doesn't need to be well phrased or beautifully written you just call and say hey happy birthday and then you can hang up the phone um <laughs> so check that out uh but with the time we have left <laughs> let's try to get through as much of game as we can um phoebe would you like to do your intro first and then we'll do intro our characters yes. how would you like to do that so cool so i'm going to start off with a brief plug just to give an idea of what this world of all souls that is what i call my game is like and then if everybody can go around and read your character backstory because it'll provide context for you and the other players so it's 1799 but not how the history books remember it in this poesque lovecraftian alternate earth as the french revolution comes to its climax the red death stalks the streets of paris there is madness in salem and occult forces grip north america the great old ones and lord cthulhu are waking from their death which does not die at the bottom of the sea in the east the jinn are riding the winds and in the west the fae are playing their games with humankind something very old and very dark stirs in the wood in the russian woods it appears for some reason to be an old woman in this world your characters work with a with or as a band of smugglers in new england you are smugglers of the exotic and arcane or in this case merely illegal <laughs> and today you are stealing maple syrup from the strategic canadian reserve for any of our canadian listeners if i mixed up the order of those words i apologize <laughs> um now, please read your backstories. Annie, would you like to begin with Kuhn of Dublin? Should I read the whole thing? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, Kuhn <laughs> of Dublin. No, not that one. <laughs> Kuhn is a folk hero hailing from Dublin. Dublin, New Hampshire, that is, not Ireland. He gets very touchy about the lack of recognition for his hometown. As a folk hero born and raised in Dublin to a third-generation Firbolg family... Kuhn is determined to embody and enforce the cultural norms of his hometown wherever he travels. Dublin does not have much in the way of cultural norms, however, or culture at all for that matter, so Kuhn may be making it up as he goes. Kuhn travels around looking for anything that would be a good folk song, inserts himself into the situation, makes dramatic statements, and expects the eventual folk singers to patch over any awkward parts and make him and Dublin look good in the process. This often confuses onlookers who do not realize that Kuhn does not care about his appearance in the present, only his appearance as a folk hero famous across New England, which is the entire world as far as he is concerned. <laughs> Everyone else is merely a character in the tales of Kuhn of Dublin. No, not that one. <laughs> in keeping with New Hampshire tradition, Kuhn comes off as sullen and taciturn at first, but once he has identified someone as a character in his legend, i.e. a friend, uh, he becomes bombastic, <laughs> friendly, and eager to help. However, he rarely sees further than the next line of his imaginary song. This often lands him in trouble, but he doesn't mind as he sees these obstacles as more stories in his saga. Kuhn always refers to himself in the third person, <laughs> often by his full title, Kuhn of Dublin, just to make things easier for the folk singers and storytellers. Kuhn sees nothing wrong with being muscle and offense, 
for a gang of smugglers. It's one of Dublin's finest traditions, alongside ignoring the central government, making whiskey and maple syrup stills, and hosting Daniel Webster in the traveling courts of hell on a regular basis. (laughs) Kuhn is certainly making a name for himself and Dublin, but so far, reviews are mixed. Amazing. All right. Uh, So I'll go next. Uh, I'm going to be playing Lannister the Awesome, a blue dragonborn uh, cleric, uh, Domain of the Tempest. Growing up in the sunny shores of Ottoman Greece, Lannister was born into a family who worshipped the gods of the storm. As a blue dragonborn, Lannister always felt a deep connection to the deities of storm winds, rolling waves, and the glorious lightning, and so he devoted his life to the worship of storms as a cleric. The Mediterranean coast, however, is no stormy coast. To further his studies and become closer to the gods of the storms, Lannister sailed from uh, Rhodes to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, to study at the Mount Washington Observatory. The observatory stands on the stormiest place on Earth and houses a monastery and college of the Monks of the Gale. The Mount Washington Monks of the Gale have an ongoing rivalry with their branch on the Nova Scotia coast. The two monasteries stay in contact largely through an ongoing series of hockey matches and pranks. (laughs) A week before uh, Lannister applied for a scholarship at the observatory... Uh, visitors from the no- from Nova Scotia made off with several casks of hard cider brewed by the observatory monks. The Mount Washington monks have agreed to allow Lannister study for free if they will steal ma- maple syrup from the Nova Scotians in recompense. The Canadian monks of the Gale make the best maple syrup in all of Canada, and that goes straight into the Canadian Strategic Maple Syrup Reserve. Yes, it's a real thing. Uh, Lannister reached out to, their, uh, to his contacts in Portsmouth for help and advice. Now suddenly he has a deal with a group of local smugglers, bottled lightning for syrup, and Lannister has to, uh, has to come in this little jaunt to you as a surety. Maybe their notes will be extra credit. <laughs> All right, so I will be playing Captain Tinga Falid, the uh, tabaxi pirate captain warlock. Um... She is a Maine coon, uh, which is the only thing you can be this close to Maine. Um, (laughs) And she grew up on a farm near the Saskatchewan River, uh, but taxes and poor harvests made life difficult, and Tinka never loved the farming life in any case. A much more promising opportunity was joining the Saskatchewan River pirates and raiding boats on the way to the co-op. Tinka took to the pirate life like a Maine coon to water, quickly heading up her own fleet of rivercraft. To keep competition down and ensure the safety of her family's farm, Tinka became a warlock, making a pact with the nameless god, the god of the dark side of the moon, otherwise known as the Great Old One, the Haunter of the Dark. After the pact, Tinka became a little too frightening for her competitors and was forced to flee from the river and across the country when the other Saskatchewan pirates banded together and destroyed her fleet. Tinka found herself down and out, drifting aimlessly about the Connecticut River. When she ran into... Rosevelin Bowen, a smuggling captain. Rosevelin was searching for someone capable of leading a largely inexperienced band into the northeastern wilderness to retrieve syrup from the strategic reserve. Smugglers are skilled at moving goods, but not so much at raiding. Pirates, on the other hand, and a warlock pirate? Gold. In exchange for her help, Rosevelin promised Tinga half the share of bottled lightning she was receiving as payment for the run, enough for Tinga to return to the Saskatchewan and reclaim her river. All right, and last but not least, I'm going to be playing Aomig the Blue. Did I say that without butchering it completely? Yes. Great. Aomig the Blue, a uh, forest gnome bard. Uh, Aomig the Blue was originally born in Scotland in her... And her nickname derives from the woad dye she uses in her hair, uh, which is a Scotch gnomish tradition. Sadly, Aomig was uprooted from her home as a young adult. Along with many convicts during the 1700s, Aomig was sent to the then British colonies in America on a prison ship after being convicted of creating silver and marked bullets for rebel Scottish clans. Maintaining a grudge against the British Empire, Aomig joined the colonists during the Revolutionary War as a gunsmith and bullet maker. Despite her profession, Aomig always min- maintained a love of Scottish of old Scottish songs and stories which expanded to the songs and folklore of the many peoples drawn to the young United States. At 140 years old, Aomig amassed enough wealth as a skilled gunsmith to retire from gunsmithing and pursue her passion of archiving lore and performing songs and stories. Aomig has heard of strange and terrifying creatures lurking around 
the narrow New Hampshire slash Canadian border and yearns to be the first to learn enough of these monsters to pen or sing the truth of what they are and cement the name of Aomig the Blue in the new Bardic Brotherhood of New York. Unfortunately, the only people willing to go anywhere near where these creatures have been sighted are smugglers, and the only way they will allow Aomig to travel with them is if they agree to be, or if she, if she agrees to become complicit in the latest border run. But hey, it'll make a great folk song, right? <laughs> okay. I should add that Kuhn uh, is from a criminal family. Um, the Dublin mob, but not the Irish mob. <laughs> <laughs> the Dublin, New Hampshire mob. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> Sorry, people from Dublin, New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, going home is going to be awkward. Uh, <laughs> right, so I'm going to smash cut for time's sake. You have made it through the woods. You have made it across the border. You are now approaching the strategic reserve which is a giant warehouse, which looks a lot like an ordinary barn, just bigger, and there is a suspicious lack of guards or noise or anything, really. Well, that's bad. Um, Kuhn is that. unsurprised to find that everyone has fled in fear of him. Lenny doesn't like this. Well, what now? <laughs> uh, uh, I would suggest uh, perhaps holding back, looking pointedly over at Kuhn. Kuhn does not hold back. Kuhn runs forth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All in favor of letting Kuhn run forth? No. Not me. <laughs> Fantastic. I got a few ride riding on this. We're not, we're not taking any risks. Kuhn raises his large barreled musket to hopefully be two hands raised instead of just one. He holds now, it up now, to be like... Would it not be better to know who the enemy is before well, actively end- running in? Or know where they are? Yeah, we should, uh, we should maybe scout the perimeter. How about that? All right, please take perception rolls. Right. Everyone? Hey. Okay. Yes, everybody who is looking... Uh, Kuhn, if you don't want to look, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Kuhn covers his eye. No. Um, oh, that's bad. Hang on. Can I? Yes, you may use my dice box. That's a 12. Oh. 15 for Amig. How's a 7? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, yeah. Kuhn is more perceptive um, than Lenny. <laughs> Somehow. I think... 21. Okay. Oh, cool. So we have a 21. This is why I'm in charge. We have a 21. Um, yes. Uh, you know from your experience as a river pirate that there should be mounties or at the very least guards around here. Uh, the door to the strategic reserve is standing open and your keen tabaxi nose sense blood. Incidentally, it's sunset. Fantastic. And there are creepy woods noises and it's getting hard to see. I mean, yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> what say you, Captain? Well, first off, <laughs> one of us has to stay back with Kuhn to make sure that, that he does not do anything. Uh, Kuhn can best. come with us. Kuhn should be the front guard. <laughs> I would say uh, pulling uh, Lenny and uh, Omig uh, to the side, whispering uh, gently to them. Uh, I have scented blood, and my concern grows that we may be heading into a trap. A tune is posing. Okay. Um, Are you sure they (laughs) just weren't attacked by something bad? Perhaps. (laughs) However, I would much rather face the threat that we know is there than a possible unknown threat. So, moving forward, there may be a trap, and it may be coming from something else. It may be coming from them. However, there should be guards, and there is blood. Okay, well, Kuhn is huge, so we shouldn't leave Kuhn behind. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't suggest leaving him behind so much as making sure he doesn't charge too far forward. So, so Kuhn is setting his... A distraction. Mm. Kuhn is putting his leg well, on a rock, perhaps. Like, his foot on a rock to kind of make his lower half look real good. <laughs> what do I have? What is my what is my instrument of choice here? As bard. Um, you may pick one. I did not select it for you. I, I pull bag out pipes, a, bag pipes, bag pipes. <laughs> I pull, I pull out a piccolo. Nice, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I pull out a piccolo, and um, I turn to Kuhn and I say, "Hey, Kuhn, 
this is what battle sounds like when you fight it. And then I start playing like a fast jig. Kuhn's eyes go wide and uh, he begins to feel a little bit of like, like anger filling him just slowly. Nothing too extreme so far, but he thinks of the stories that will be told and the, and considers this melody as his theme song. And he starts to kind of like, you know, his posing becomes more exuberant, <laughs> and he starts forward. Kuhn, oh, fantastic. Oh, oh, oh um, um, nope, nope. Uh, and I try to, I try to play it down. Kuhn, you will have to make a wisdom save to not be uh, inflamed with passion by this song. Awesome, fantastic. <laughs> That's a twelve. You fail. <laughs> So inflamed. You, and somewhere in the back of your mind, an idea occurs that perhaps this is not the wisest thing, but wisdom is not the way of Kuhn. So you Kuhn forward. needs no wisdom. Fantastic. Uh, I'm uh, sorry. Kuhn is going to raise his um, his uh, double barrel. Yeah, du- sorry, double barrel musket, and um, kind of heroically, and then uh, rush forward. All right. Well, Lenny's taking out his pistol and he's like, "Well, yikes, guys!" And he goes after him. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would say the captain uh, just kind of does one of those like eye roll, shaking her head. Just I can't believe I'm surrounded by idiots. Moments. Um, and would and Eric say, just shrugs and keeps playing. Yeah. Um, Can Kune start singing along? Absolutely. Kune is singing. Uh, I would Ooh. say as as we're walking. Um, uh, Tinga has kind of approached the doorway itself um, and would like to investigate the uh, the entrance. All right, go ahead and Ooh, roll investigation. Hewn, I'm going to hold off on okay. you smashing through that door that will be good. happening shortly. <laughs> Plus investigation. Uh, that would be a 12. All right, yes, there are indeed bodies uh, blocking the door. Uh, And also, there's there's a very strong smell of wood rot. Uh, However, that may just be coming from the maple syrup casks. Uh, Before you can learn anything else, Coon barrels past you into the interior. Uh, Kuhn, yeah, yeah, Kuhn barrels. All right, uh, Kuhn, go ahead and roll perception. Do I need to roll to break down the door? Nope, it's already halfway open. Awesome. You just trample some oh. bodies. Oh, go. That's a six on oh, perception. No. <laughs> um, you smell sugar. Lots of sugar. Mm. It's very appealing. You, uh, being from New Hampshire and, uh, and Dublin, fully uh, approve of being surrounded by giant casks of maple syrup. <laughs> I will leave your next move. Kuhn uh, um, pauses. Uh, and sniffs. Is there one barrel that seems closer than the others, or more yes. more tempting? So the barrels are arranged in rows. Um, these are the giant variety you would see on drays. Uh, so the barrels are about ten feet tall. They mm-hmm. were standing. So um, am I. Yes, the barrels are as big as you. It's a good day. Um, <laughs> yeah, the barrels are arranged in two row in two rows, stacked three high. Are there any of them that seem more tempting than the others? Uh, one of them appears to have been damaged by Ooh. some kind of bladed attack is and is slowly leaking syrup. So can I suggest, uh, this is the syrup that we came here for, right? Yeah. Cute, grab a barrel, let's go. Uh, there are smaller casks that okay, are Okay, I'll carryable. grab a barrel, let's go. Cute <laughs> hears you, but um, is kind of curious about this syrup. I, I would like to go up and kind of swipe my finger in the syrup and hold it up like you would with spit to try to find where the wind is coming from. <laughs> okay. Um, there are drafts in here. Yep. <laughs> um, Kuhn, that's gross. What are you doing? <laughs> Kuhn believes the wind is cold. That's the syrup, buddy. <laughs> Kuhn believes the syrup is cold. <laughs> um, but, but, what, but what did happen here? Is my question. I suggest we get out of here before we find out ourselves. But that's just my take. Uh, I would say uh, I would have had at this point um, probably continuing investigating uh, just generally around the perimeter um, and my uh, little closet, um, who I have named Quasimodo. Um, uh, I probably send out my... uh, uh, Quasimodo, my familiar, um, to kind of do a, a perimeter sweep as I head one direction. Yeah, he heads in the other, um, kind of making a, a general sweep. 
All right. Um, go ahead. Roll. Goodbye. <laughs> it's nice Here's on the d20. Pass this stuff. Uh, it's right underneath. It is a 17. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, count. Normally, I don't take die off the floor, but um, in this case, there's nowhere to roll. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, with a 17, you see um, footprints. They appear to be mostly human, or given the way this universe works, at least people who walk on two legs. Yeah. Um, it looks as though they were patrolling, and something caught their attention, and everybody ran inside. Are the footprints? From which it does not appear anybody uh, came out again. Oh, are the footprints in? Like they're on wood floor, right? They're inside. Uh, this is the perimeter scout. So this is. Uh, oh, it's still outside. Yes, this is yeah. on Earth. Oh, okay. You are not seeing this. I guess slightly behind Kuhn, but can I just cast like the tech magic like on the door area and on the uh, inside of the like like inside of the area with all of the sap? And just yes, go for it. Okay, I cast the tech magic. Um, there is lingering traces of some type of magic in here. Um, it's not picking up quite as a spell, so perhaps an item or an entity. Well, something happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kuhn would love to get closer to the next door forward. Um, if we're in the perimeter and uh, kind of inspire some of that, that danger sense-ish stuff that he feels like he might have. Excellent. So just to be clear, you are in the building. There is only uh, it's like an open space in the building. Okay. Everyone else is currently outside. Oh, I thought we were. Okay. I'm As, like in the Okay. Doorway, Two people like, are in the door. Uh uh, Tinga is scouting the perimeter. Yeah. Kuhn, with your danger sense, yes. There is danger in here. <laughs> it is probably above yes. you somewhere. Uh, Kuhn, above? thinking, uh, knowing that like um, sometimes if you stay still, things won't see you. Kuhn wants to stay still, but also look up. So he's going to slowly raise his head and look up. Eyes. Mm. You see two eyes. Oh no! Only two. Only two. Only two. Would I build? They're big. Take this moment actually to have Tinka uh, come inside and say that there is perhaps something that is even more dangerous than they were anticipating. Um, just as this eye contact happens. <laughs> yes, it's prolonged. Okay, fantastic. It is prolonged awkward <laughs> eye contact. Uh, <laughs> All right. so neither Kuhn nor the beast will back down. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Kuhn will be going nowhere. Fast. Anyone else want to do anything before I roll this die? Do we, do um, we notice that Kuhn has looked up at something unsettling? Yes. Okay, All Lenny. Right. <laughs> Lenny's gonna move forward and be like, what's you got there, Kuhn? Uh, and also look up. Do okay. I get to do anything or is no? All right. Descending from the ceiling upon many spindly legs oh, is no, the creature no. <laughs> of which Umik has heard tell. Um, it appears to have skin much like the bark of a tree. Its limbs disconcertingly are able to extend and retract in flicking motions within its body. It is covered in thorn-like spines. Uh, and it has a head shaped a lot like a hammerhead shark, but more reptilian. So oh, its so eyes cute. are on either end of its freaky head. It's beautiful. Uh, it hisses at you. <laughs> yeah, that that might be what killed everyone. Um, you think? Kuhn would like to... It seems to be very tor- territorial over the syrup. Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, Kuhn would like to extend a hand and say, I am Kuhn. Kuhn of Dublin. Okay. Hear tell of me. Kuhn. <laughs> Lenny would like to roll extend roll dexterity. his dexterity. <laughs> uh, Kuhn, go ahead and roll dexterity. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a nice fat ten. Ooh. Okay. You are grappled in thorny vines oh, as the creature does in fact take your hand and uses it to drag your body across the no. floor towards it. Um, Kuhn says, Kuhn! <laughs> a solid uh, eight damage from the contact of the spines. Oh, no. And you are starting to be crushed. We may now roll combat oh, initiative. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> hey, that's a solid 16. Oh, oh dear. 
Holy shit. <laughs> a 22. Oh! That piece out my 19. It's a 9. Okay. <laughs> um, that checks out. <laughs> so it looks like it's going to be Omeg, Tinga, Forest Devil, Lenny. Run. Lenny and Kune. Woo. Okay, Woo. cool. Right. Okay, uh, I guess <clears throat> I guess it's uh, my turn. Of course, this is um... great. I, I'm just going to um, pull out a pistol and uh, take a shot. Well, Meg, as a gunsmith, you have ten silver bullets in your capacity. Would you be using a silver bullet or a regular bullet? A silver bullet. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Shiny. I want to catch slash kill and take this thing. Um, that is a uh, 14. Um, close, but no cigar. Ah. You have wasted one bullet. You may take another action. Um, shit. <laughs> uh, saying shit counts as a free action. <laughs> okay. How generous. Um, is a bonus action. <laughs> Uh, all right, fine. Um, seeing that I miss, I'm just going to do vicious mockery, and I'm going to um, tell it it's not as cool as I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell it to uh, lay down for the annals of history, um, and yeah, make a wisdom saving throw. Um, it it has negligible wisdom. Um, <laughs> this infuriates it, and it throws Kuhn across. No, dude. Uh, <laughs> as it rushes towards you in How much rage. damage do I take? Um, you may also roll uh, damage psych for damage, your mis- damage. Yes, psych damage for your mistress mockery. Kuhn, you only take three damage. You're a big oh. boy. <laughs> Five psychic damage. It shrieks. Um, incoherent words that sound something like infernal. It also has disadvantage on its next attack. Excellent. Okay, (laughs) Tinga, you are up. Um, I would say, uh, as is classic of Tinga in all battles, um, she immediately grabs the the small stone that she keeps um, that she had gotten from the bottom of the Saskatchewan River as a a lucky charm um, and has wrapped around her neck. uh, And she takes that, kisses it, um, before pulling out her pistol and firing off a shot. Alright, go ahead and roll. Ah! Uh, oh no. Ten? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Oh. We're gonna get killed. Yeah. We're gonna get killed. But it's gonna trial. be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, okay, now it is the beast's turn. Fabulous. Um, Alright, so it has abandoned Coon. It is rushing towards everyone else who is standing in the doorway. Ah. Um, it is now gonna make a will save. Which it fails. So it settles for trying to entangle, um, let's see, Tinga and uh, Omeg. Please make deck saves. So it's it's just disadvantage on the attack. Um, uh, it's not a will save. It ends after it's next turn. Okay. Well, if your rolls for dexterity can beat an eight, because of disadvantage, <laughs> you will be fine. <laughs> I'm so close. It was a seven. <laughs> oh, no. oh, are you okay? Oh god. Um, what you're it? a tobacco. It's upsetting. throwing its spiny tendrils at you. Oh god. Ugh, I rolled a base fifteen. Okay, nice. you are fine. Tinga is entangled. It settles for that She's as entangled. opposed to a full-on attack because it failed its wisdom save and was distracted by the cask of maple syrup it earlier broke open and is now squeezing Tinga uh while drinking maple syrup. <laughs> well Wow, multitasking. <laughs> yeah. It's like a good uh, pairing when of it hears I'm writing, I'm and writing this down. As it like, hears you move, it briefly <clears throat> raises its head and hisses at you before returning to its meal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, do I take any damage from being Yes, you are trouble? going to take some damage from the thorns. You take 10. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you are up. The beast is distracted. Well, Lenny, while the beast is, distract- is distracted, is going to also take a shot at this wild bark thing uh, that is drinking the syrup. That's going to be a solid... Let me do math. 17. Yes, that's yes, it. Yeah. Hits. All right, do some, do some damage. Do some damage. Shoot the thing. That was an ideal. That's going to be a four, four damage. Okay, what are you doing oh, to it? Um, 
Actually, that's going to be a three damage. <laughs> okay, well, it's not nothing. What are you using to antagonize this creature? My, my pistol. I'm shooting it. Um, I'm, I'm very nervous. Uh, I think Lenny's kind of... Uh, Lenny just wants to learn and is not the bravest <laughs> cleric in the world. And kind of trying to shoot at it while it's distracted. Okay, well, the pistol does enter, and you see, uh, as uh, from the friction of the bullet, smoke rises from its barky skin. See- well, it is hurt from the pistol. It seems more put off by the flash of fire. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that one action that you took? Yes, that was one. All right, you have another. Oh, neato. Okay. Every, uh, my personal rules, everybody gets two actions. Neat. Okay. okay, cool. We have three minutes. We have three minutes, you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna run at it with a with my yatagan actually knife. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be a 15 hit. Yep. Heck yeah. Um, that's gonna be uh it's five damage. All right. It is hurt and backing away, dragging Tinga. Uh, Kuhn, it is your turn. Okay. Kuhn is um as a bonus action. I would like to rage in Ooh. the great uh, tradition of my uh, my predecessors. Grog, thank you. Um, uh, but uh, Kuhn Watch is going to, to yeah. yeah. Kuhn is going to let that rage boil up inside him. He's going to bring up his double barrel musket and uh, be about to look through the you know and, and like Science. aim, um, and then get so angry that he's instead going to run up and bash the thing over the head. Yeah, not enough. So uh, I believe because I am raging and at fifth level. Oh, no, that's ninth level. Never mind. Wait, do I get... I only get two attacks, right? You get two attacks, yes. Awesome. So, my first attack... <laughs> Sorry, try again, Kuhn. Try again. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, actually, can I make my second attack reckless and get advantage yes. on it? Yeah. Okay. Um, my first attack, I, I was a little too far away, so I, like, aim for it, but I just get the ground. But I keep going. And, um... Uh... That is a, with advantage, uh, 9 plus 7 is 16. Yep, that hits. Yes. Ooh. Roll Ooh. some serious damage on okay. this Okay. Yes, uh, in 30 seconds preferred. Oh, no. 1d10. <laughs> Roll that twice. Uh, it's a 12. That's Ooh. fine. That's and what a 10, 22. Does. 22. Ooh. Okay, Get you it. break its skull open. Yes! Sap spills everywhere, and you are able to collect your maple syrup. I open my mouth and and start start guzzling. Start on the long journey back. Uh, May I ask for one extra minute to do a closeout scene? We have 30 seconds, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. Um, I'll try to, honestly, I'll try to record it and see if I can put it on the online version that we're going to upload in a fair. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much for being here. Brooklyn Stratus, you guys, check them out. Thank you so Um, much. That was amazing. Thank Uh, you. Hopefully we can have them on again. If not, uh, go check them out uh, in Southern Brooklyn. And also don't forget to check out more about our show on our webpage and also.